preservation in any other. Neither is there soundness in any other. Neither is there wholeness in any other. Amen? Talking about Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's the, a different word. It's the word sozo. It's the um, uh, noun form of the word or the verb form of the word. And it means to keep safe, to keep sound, to rescue from danger or destruction, to heal or to make whole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Neither is there salvation, soteria, soundness, wholeness, preservation, protection, restoration in any other, for there is none other name under heaven whereby we must be kept safe, whereby we must be kept sound, whereby we are rescued from danger or destruction, whereby we are healed or made whole. Hallelujah. So this name of Jesus... This salvation that it provides to us is not just the new birth. That's the entry point. That's the beginning of it. But this salvation that we have inherited and that is in, empowered by the name of Jesus is a soundness and has the capability to keep us sound. We need that 24-7-365, y'all. We need that all the time. We need this salvation working for us all the time. Romans 1.16 is another good example for us to put these definitions in there. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto soteria. It is the power of God unto deliverance, unto preservation, unto pardon, unto protection. It is the power of God unto restoration. It is the power of God unto soundness and wholeness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we begin to recognize what is ours by inheritance in the salvation that Jesus has provided, it gives us a more accurate believing. I'm not just believing for one portion of my salvation, but I'm going to release my faith for that salvation to operate in total life, total life, every area, hallelujah, every area, every area is under this, this salvation protection plan, hallelujah, we, it, our, we're covered under that plan, you can say, is that part of your car covered under the warranty? Right? You got to check. Is that part covered under the warranty? Yeah. Uh, under the warranty we have in our salvation, it's all covered. Amen. It's all included. Amen? So that means if something starts to go wrong, we are an heir for that to be restored. We are an heir for that part of our body, part of our life, part to be made sound or whole. Ezekiel 37 Let's look at this uh, in verse 26, I believe is where I want to, to aim at. Ezekiel 37 talks about this as a covenant. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 37, 26, he says, Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant. Well, the everlasting covenant is the one we have in Christ because His blood sealed it. Yeah. Amen? So this covenant of peace 
is the one we have, the one we have with Christ. He said, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore, which is another indication because he dwells in us. We are the naos. It says, know ye not that you are the temple, and the Greek word for temple in 1 Corinthians is the, the word naos, N-A-O-S, and it refers to specifically the holy of holies. Yeah. Know ye not that you are the holy of holies? You are the place where God is dwelling. Yeah. Amen? You are, the, you are the habitation of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. So he says here that he... He has established this covenant with us and our peace is our, so now we've seen it's our inheritance. We're heirs of it in salvation and we see it's part, it's, it's the covenant that we have in Christ. It's a covenant of peace, a covenant of nothing missing, nothing broken. And this is the word here that is the word shalom, a covenant of shalom. And the definition for the word shalom, I gave you an overall definition, which would be all is well, nothing missing, nothing broken. All is whole. It means, if you looked at the word, it means safety, health, peace, prosperity. And so the concept of all is well, all is whole, nothing missing, nothing broken, is a, a, a panoramic definition of that word. But I'm not sure if you remember this. Those of you who may remember when Cheryl Salem was here, she shared something from her, her study of this word and it had something to do specifically with how it was in the alphabet. But she said that the word peace means to destroy the stronghold that establishes chaos. Woo! It still goes through me every time I think about it. To destroy the stronghold that establishes chaos. I mean, if there is no entry point for chaos or destruction or stealing and killing into our lives, then it's easy for God just to maintain us in that protection, in that wholeness, in that soundness. He brings us to soundness and then he destroys the stronghold that establishes chaos. Praise God. So this concept that we see of nothing missing, nothing broken, it is something that in the Hebrew people, they, they, they recognized it as a part of their life. It was something that they continually uh, looked at their life from a position of wholeness, of, of God being able to keep someone in wholeness. The Hebrew root of the word is shalam, and it is defined as to be safe in mind, body, or estate, uh, to uh, make good, prosperous, and restore. So we see that restoration in the, the word of peace, this concept or this covenant of peace. So when they were talking in Leviticus 24, and God was giving a specific way to deal with things, under the law of sin and death, dealing with the Mosaic law and establishing in that Mosaic law how to deal with people who were not born again, who were not spirit-led, but they were, were flesh-driven. 
he was giving some instruction in Leviticus 24, and he said, breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, as he has caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. And he that kills the beast, he shall restore it. And he that kills the man, he shall be put to death. And by the time that came into the New Testament, they had evidently gotten it out of motive, away from the original intent and motive of it, because it's one of the things that Jesus said, you have heard it say, you have heard it said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you. And when you look at all of the different times he did that in Matthew, you've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, but I say to you. It was things that they had taken out of context and misconstrued the motive or the intent of it and made it all about vengeance, made it all about revenge, and made it, i got to get them back for that. And the original intent was not vengeance. The original intent was restoration. The original intent of it was if, if you have caused a broken place, you need to have a respect for that and restore it. If you, if, if you borrowed your neighbor's ox and it died while it was in your, your possession, you need to restore it. You need to have an attitude of respect for this, the wholeness of someone else. And, and even to the point of those who did not respect it, they paid very, very handsomely, didn't we, with their life. Why? Because they weren't respecting the life of the other, but the intent was wholeness. The intent was to, to develop a um, recognition that wholeness is something that God wants in my brother and in my sister, and I need to respect and honor that wholeness. They used uh, the, the word peace as a way to interact with each other, as a way to salute each other, as a way to say hello to each other. We, we use the word hello, but they use the word peace. They ask the question. If you look in Genesis 43, verse 26 and 27, it says, When Joseph came home, they brought him the present uh, which was in their hand into the house and bowed themselves to him to the earth, and he asked them of their welfare. This is Joseph and his brothers. He's asking his brothers. He asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well? Well, in Genesis 43, 26, and 27, that word welfare in 27 is the word he asked them of their peace. He asked them of their peace. And then he said, Does your father have peace? We have the word well in King James, which was also what happened when the Shunammite woman said peace. Do you remember? The, the woman uh, who said to her husband, I need to take a cart and a donkey and go see the man of God today. And her, her son had died and she had put him on the prophet's bed in their house. And uh, as she... Uh, goes out, he says, why are you going to see the preacher? And she said, peace. That's what the King James says. Or she said, it is well, is what the King James says. The King James, she, she responded, it is well. But in the original language, she said, I have peace. She was going after her covenant of peace, wasn't she? And what'd she get? She got restoration. She, she, she received soundness. 
And every time that it says it is well, the original language is the word shalom. She was saying, I have shalom. I have the peace that comes from being made whole. And that's what Joseph was asking. Does your father have shalom? Does your father have peace? It was such a, a normal way of thinking for them. Even Moses, when he meets his father-in-law in Exodus 18, 7, it says they asked each other of their welfare. It's that same word. They asked each other of their peace. That was the main conversation as they came together. Their greeting. How is your peace? How is your peace? Do you have the peace that comes from being made whole? Are you sound today? Is your, are you intact? Are you whole? Is your sound, but why? Because it was on their mind. Because it was on God's mind. It was God's covenant with them and with us, this covenant of peace. And uh, in 2 Kings, uh, th when they came and asked the Shunammite woman, we see an example of it that I was referring to, 2 Kings 4.26. She answered, it is well, or shalom. I have the peace of God that comes from being made whole. And I go through those because it's important for us to see that this was a mindset and for you and I to receive inheritance we need to have a clarity of what the inheritance contains for us to receive this soundness and this wholeness that is ours by salvation we need to believe for it and to believe for it we've got to have knowledge of what it entails because I think a lot of believers put up with things because they think it's just part of life and I just have to endure it and I just have to accept that, there are some things we don't have to accept. There are some, some uh, things. Listen, Murphy doesn't have to live at your house. You can kick Murphy and his law out of your house. Amen? We, there are some things that we can uh, put our believing uh, connection on and bring into manifestation where our salvation is concerned. I want to go back to Ezekiel, but this time I want to look at chapter 34. Chapter 34. It says in verse 25 down through 31 is what we'll read in this chapter. He said, and I will make with them a covenant of peace. Again, he's referring to the, the peace, this supernatural force of restoration and soundness and wholeness as a covenant. I will make with them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places... Now, y'all can sleep in the woods if y'all want to, but I'm going to take a camper if I go. <laughs> I just got to say it. Yeah. I probably... I, 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 I'm, I'm not the nature, uh, nature girl here, but yeah, I can, if y'all want to sleep in the woods, praise the Lord, you'll be safe. Okay, never mind. Verse 26, I will make them and the places round about my hill. I will make them and the places. I will make them and their locations. Hallelujah. I will make them a blessing. I will make them a blessing and I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. 
this is your covenant, this is my covenant, we, this is ours by inheritance, right? Showers of blessing, and the tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase, and they shall be safe in their land, and shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those that serve themselves of them. Well, that sounds like our salvation, doesn't it? Hallelujah. And they shall no more be a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beasts of the land devour them, but they will dwell safely, and none shall make them afraid. Hallelujah. If you're not there, I encourage you to set that as your high watermark. Nothing will make me afraid because God is with me. I will not be afraid. I, I can go through scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture where God instructs us, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. And he generally follows it with the reason why. Fear not for I am with you. Fear not for I am your God. Fear not because Jesus said, I've spoken all these things so that my peace can be with you. So there are, there are, are multiple reasons why we never have to be afraid another day in our life. Multiple reasons. Never have to be afraid. Fear is never your only option. You can always, uh, when, it, when it comes, just mark that one off the option list. Fear's not an option. If it ever pops up as a multiple choice and they say, well, you could be afraid. I, no, not me. I can never take that option. Why? Because God is with me. Amen. And if God is with me, of whom shall I fear? He is my rock, of whom shall I be afraid? He is my refuge, who can I be afraid of if God is my refuge? Isn't that the question that the psalmist asked? Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm looking. Let's see. Jesus is my rock. God is my salvation. I can't find anybody I should fear if he's my salvation. Amen? So, it, so that we can develop into that. Don't get into condemnation if you're not there yet. Just work on it. Amen? Just work on that. Make that your, your goal to develop that stronghold of salvation in your life, that stronghold of the peace of God, the preservation of God, the soundness that God is able to pr pr produce in my life. And he says, I will raise them up for a plant of renown, which is uh, also uh, defined honor, a plant of honor. I will raise them up as a, a plant of honor, and they, will, uh, they shall... Um, be no more consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the heathen anymore. And that's the phrase I was referring to earlier in our teaching. The shame of the heathen was famine. The shame, he said, they won't have to suffer that. Why? Because I am their God. I'm going to bring them showers of blessing. I'm going to be the one restoring in their life. I'm going to, so those times of destruction happened when they weren't, recognizing God as their God, when they weren't acknowledging God as their God, they weren't receiving his protection and his keeping power. Hallelujah. But for you and I, no reproach of famine. Amen? Amen. Jeremiah 33.
Jeremiah 33, let's look at verse 6. Behold, I will bring it health and cure, and I will cure them and reveal unto them the abundance of restoration, soundness, wholeness, and truth. It says peace there. So let's put that, that uh, definition in for our peace. It says, I will bring unto them, I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth, and I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to turn or to return, and I will build them as at the first, and I will cleanse them from all their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all of their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it, talking about the, the people, the city, it will be to me a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Hallelujah. Do you remember what we read in Joel? The Lord will do great things. He's going to deal wondrously with us. And in that wondrous dealing that He's operating in our life, it's going to be a bringing to fullness areas that have been depleted, a bringing to fullness areas that have been stolen or destroyed from different situations. Hallelujah. He calls it here goodness and prosperity. This is what God wants to do for us. He said, I know in Jeremiah 29, I know the thoughts that I have to you. Yes. He knows that he know, he's been thinking about you. Yes. You might not realize this, but let me bring it to your attention. He's been thinking about you. Yes. He has had you on his mind. Yes. God is so great that he can have you on his mind and me on his mind at the same time and plan out blessings and goodness for us yes. hallelujah. hallelujah he said i know the thoughts that i think toward you they are good with an end and an expectation yes. and that means an end that's worth looking forward to yeah. yes. Woo! this was like you can think about whoever has has cooked one of your favorite dishes my family they like my enchilada casserole and if i start talking about enchilada casserole they'll be like Woo! mama's enchilada casserole Woo! they get excited about it they're anticipating because they know it's good right yeah. so he said it's an end that's worth looking forward to just go ahead and let your mouth water about what God's leading you into go ahead and 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 get your hopes up get your hopes up about what God's taking you into go ahead and 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 dare to believe that there's better ahead. Go ahead and dare to believe that God's going to do something good for you. I think about Oral Roberts standing up and making that declaration. God's going to do good things for you. And how many preachers were outraged. And even, I, I remember Brother Hagin said, one of them said, can you believe that Oral Roberts is going around all over the, the United States telling people God's going to do something good for them? 
as if it was an insult that he would say that. And he said, well, why wouldn't God do something? Well, you can't be for sure that God's going to do something. Well, how many pages of the Bible do you have to tear out? He said, I want to do good for you. I want to do you good. I want to do good things for you. I want to prosper you. I want to bless you. I want to restore you. Hallelujah. And if that's what God is thinking about, and that's what God is planning for us, how, how disappointing it would be if I made my enchilada casserole and everybody came in and said, you know, I knew you were making enchilada casserole, but I had a peanut butter sandwich already. I would be, you have peanut butter compared to my enchilada? What are you talking about? You went ahead and you're, you went ahead, why? Because you weren't looking forward to the enchilada casserole. So you settled for something else that was less than. You settled for something. God doesn't want any of us settling for less than. He doesn't want us to say, oh, well, I'll just take whatever I can get right now. He says, no, I've got good thoughts. I've got plans. I know the plans I have for you. So go ahead and start expecting the good and go ahead and start looking for the good. I love how David said it. He said, I would have fainted, except I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have fainted. I would have given up courage. I would have grown weak in my believing. I would have, but I've already believed. I've already got my set, my, my hook set in that good. I've already, I've already got my focus set on that good. I would have fainted. Now I don't have time to give up. God's going to do good things for me. God's got good things. He, he told me to rejoice and be exceedingly glad because he's doing great things. He's doing great things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 32. Good, good things are in store for us. I think about how uh, the Lord told Dr. Savelle uh, about two years ago, to, to, he, he instructed him to say, Lord, show me your glory. And when you look, remember what God said to Moses, I'll show you my goodness. And so when the Lord instructed Dr. Savelle to, start, to spend that whole year saying, Lord, show me your glory. He's saying, Lord, show me your goodness. And whoo, God has shown him some goodness. I mean, at the end of last year with everything that had gone on, the Lord fulfilled a dream that over 20 years Dr. Savelle has been standing for his Falcon 50 and he got it in 2020. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's been good. And he's no respecter of persons. If we'll believe for the good, if we'll believe for his peace, if we'll believe for the soundness, if we'll believe for the restoration. Isaiah 32, let's look at verse 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. We are the righteous. We've been made righteous by Jesus becoming sin for us. And as that righteousness which is of faith begins to speak to us and lead us and direct us in our spiritual walk, we're going to cooperate with this peace. Remember it said in Romans, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost in Romans 15? That righteousness, peace, and joy... So we see the work of righteousness shall be soundness. The work of righteousness shall be 
wholeness. The work of righteousness shall be preservation. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation. A peaceable. There's the word. Nothing missing, nothing broken in my home. And in their dwellings and in quiet resting places. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this is a covenant. And our righteousness enables that operation because in that righteousness we can receive. In that righteousness we can, uh, if, if a person doesn't think they deserve to get it, they're never going to reach for it. But when I know who I am in Christ, I know because of what he's done, I, I not deserving in my merit, but he wants me to have it so he made me righteous so that I could stand in the presence of God without any fear of his presence. I'm, I'm talking about uh, um, fear in a negative sense without any sense of inferiority in his presence. That's a better way to, ex to explain righteousness. Because of what Jesus has done, I can stand in the presence of the Father, and I don't feel less than in his presence. I'm humbled. I'm, I am aware of what put me here, the blood that was shed at, that has justified me. But as I stand here, I recognize he made me righteous. And because I'm righteous... He wants me whole. And so, Father, because you have made me righteous, providing a new and a living way for me to boldly approach the throne to receive help in time of need, I come to the throne and I say, Father, in this area where this certain situation is trying to destroy an area in my finances or trying to rob in this relationship or trying to deplete uh, something in my body, Father, I lay hold of the peace that Jesus provided for me in salvation. And because I have that knowing, I am confident that whatsoever things I ask, according to his will, he hears me. And if he hears me, I have the things I've asked for. Amen? Hallelujah. We'll close with John 14 and verse 27. Jesus, in 14, 15, and 16, we have one continuous conversation. Ver chapter 17 is a prayer uh, uh, and the ending of that conversation. But in this long conversation in the book of John, we have uh, specific things that Jesus is explaining to his disciples before he goes to the cross. Because he wants them to know about some specific changes that will take place as the new covenant is established. He talked about their relationship with the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit has been with you, but he will be in you. And you'll, you'll need him as your comforter because he's going to show you things to come. He's going to uh, lead you into all truth. 
And so he described the different interaction they would have with the Spirit of God. He told them that they would love differently. He said, before now, you have been, you understand that the commandment was uh, to love uh, each other as, as you love yourself, but I'm telling you that I want you to love each other the way I've loved you. Yeah. So he set a higher standard of love. Amen? Amen. He's, he established that they would ask in his name. That was different. He said, before now, you've never asked anything in my name, but from this point on, ask the Father in my name. He said, ask and I'll, I'll do it for you. If you need to do the greater works, those works that I've done, you shall do also. And how, can you imagine them saying, how am I going to do the greater works? He said, ask in my name and I'll do it for you. Amen. And then he said, then he said, uh, ask the father and he'll give it to you in my name. Ask in my name, he'll give it to you. Well, one of the other things that he established in this, this conversation was his peace. Look in verse 27 of 14. He said, peace, I leave with you. Now, I went through the concept of peace that they had so that you could understand when his disciples heard Jesus say, peace, I leave with you, they are defining that as wholeness, soundness. Preservation. Preservation I leave to you. Soundness I leave to you. Wholeness I leave to you. Protection I leave to you. My peace, my protection, my soundness, my wholeness. Hallelujah. So they were not supposed to feel lost. Why? Because Jesus said, I've given you my soundness. I don't want you feeling lost. I don't want you feeling broken. I don't want you feeling like you, you're missing something because I'm leaving my wholeness, my soundness, my protection with you. He said, I give it to you. That's why you don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it. It's in, it's in your ability to let it or not let it. And on the basis of the peace, the soundness that he's given you, in order for that soundness to continue, you are going to have to take that peace he took, that he gave to you. You're going to have to take it, and you're going to have to say, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled, because the troubled heart is an entry point for the destruction. A troubled heart is an open door for the enemy. Jesus uh, identified worry. He said, be anxious for nothing. Uh, he said, don't be anxious for what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on. He said in the parable of the sower that worry and cares of this life, anxiety and fretting about this life were like weeds that would choke out the word, the word that is established forever in heaven. The word can be choked out by worry. Hallelujah. So he said... Don't let your heart be troubled. And I think one of the greatest examples for, for the condition of the heart and the operation of peace is found in what Jesus said to the woman in Mark chapter 5. After she was healed from that issue, that flow of blood that had gone on for over, what, over 12 years, that she had lost everything and had nothing better but uh, grew worse, uh, when she received her healing... Jesus said to her, go in peace. 
Matthew 5, 34, if you're taking notes. Go in peace. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Go in peace and be whole. If you want to stay whole, stay in peace. Go in peace and be whole. Go in peace and be whole. So peace is a flow we can travel in. Hallelujah. He said go in it. Go in it. The book of Isaiah says that we will be led forth with peace. We can go in it. We can, we can walk in peace. We can drive in peace. You better drive in peace on these roads. Y'all just better drive in peace. Pastor had started, my, Pastor Steele had started um, every time somebody would pull out in front of him, he would say, these little rock drivers. And I began noticing it was like every bad driver that could be on the road found their way to him. It's like a magnet. And I, we just had a conversation one day and I said, maybe you should say something different about the drivers. And so he recognized, you know, sometimes you get stuck saying some things and you don't even think it. I mean, you can be a faith preacher. Charles Capps was talking about every time I go into a place, the air conditioner's broke. And he said, he said, it broke on my plane. It broke in the hotel that they put me in. It broke in the car they picked me up on. And I, he said, my lightning fast nine, I picked up on that. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe it's because I keep complaining about the, the air conditioner breaking. So Pastor Steele, he said, he, he began saying a scripture from the book of Proverbs. He began saying, in my path is life. In my pathway is life and there is no death. And so he started saying that. And he had been saying that for a couple of months. He started saying, in my pathway is life. In my pathway is life. Well, a few weeks ago, there was a lot of rain on his trip up to Kansas. And there's a tunnel that you go through on this, this up mountainous region up in northeast uh, Arkansas. He was going through this tunnel and he came out of the tunnel. It was still pouring down rain. It was very foggy up on the mountain. So he's got very limited distance. And he said, I'm coming right out of that tunnel and I'm coming around a corner. And a car had slid out and they were facing him in his lane. And he said, by the time I see them, I didn't, I barely had time to get out of the lane. I did not have time to look and see if anything was in the right lane. I just had to swerve because they had, they had spun out and they were right there in my lane. And I started saying, thank you, Jesus, that he has been declaring, in my pathway is life. In my pathway is life. But do you see how he has to participate with that protection? We all do. We have to participate with that protection. That keeping power is ours. But we've got to go in peace. And let not our heart be troubled. Amen. So as we're driving home today, kept. Amen. And, and safe and secure. Father, we honor this provision of the covenant. And we bring our faith to build a stronghold of your peace in our life. So that we think soundness. That every thought coming through our mind has a filter that it has to pass through, Lord. A filter of soundness. 
Your will is for us to be whole with sound lives and sound marriages and sound finances and sound bodies. Father, we take our place in the covenant and we receive this inheritance. Would you say that with me, Father? I take my place in the covenant. I receive my inheritance of wholeness. Help me, Lord, to cooperate with your covenant that is capable of keeping me in Jesus' name.